Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy day after your birthday, my love. I love you. Okay. Are we going to do this like every day? No, no, no. Just, just, it was a special thing. It was, it was special yesterday, but I wanted her to know that even today, the day after her birth, I still think about her. Okay. Okay. Can Fair I enough. not do this? Do we, should we start over? No, that's I love, fine. Pastor PJ doesn't want me to ever do this again. No, that's fine. That's I can't fine. tell you I love you. No, I'm good with it. I just, I didn't know if we were just going to keep this going. I mean, we can. Is this going to be the daily Bible podcast of Pastor Rod's never ending love for his life, wife? I mean, it's a great title. If you, if you want my honest it's feedback. Long. It's a longer, you acronymize it. Like we do at everything else at Compass, <laughs> acronymize. Uh, hey, how are you guys? We hope you're good. You didn't give me a chance to answer. Hey, go ahead. How are you doing? Tell us. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm We're thrilled pray for that. about that, that that's going on in your life. But really? Well, Awful. just covering the bases. What if they just said something good and you're like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> they likely though probably said something bad. That's but the what way if they were goes. like, we just found out that we're pregnant with the first kid and your your response was oh i'm so sorry for that uh that i will have a mea culpa for those like that's 10 percent people i think people naturally it's good cop bad cop will uncover the difficulties yeah it's good cop bad cop and if there's anything i typically am it's the good cop (laughs) absolutely that is the character that is the status quo pastor pj i sense sarcasm no no well, hey, it is uh, it's Saturday, right? It is Saturday. I, I give up. I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore because we already made a mistake. Once we made a mistake. One I, time. Yeah, but it was a pretty big one. What? And we got it's blasted in the reviews. Your wife's birthday. Some people changed the reviews from five stars to one star. They're like, they don't even know what day it Can't is. Can't even tell what day it is. How yeah. do we trust your Bible knowledge? Well, I think some people do still, and I don't mean to shatter the, the, the concept, but I think some people think we get up super early in the morning to record these oh, and release them same are day. Are you going to... Oh. I yeah, think. I okay. We should we should just be honest here. We don't record it the day of. We don't. Ugh. We close proximity. Like for us, today is is Thursday. Oh well, yeah, don't tell them that. But for you, it's Saturday. So we're really just trying to cover ourselves for why we made such a terrible blunder the other day. Right. We were, we just we do several on one day. All I know is it wasn't my wife's birthday. <laughs> well, I didn't know what day it was. To be fair, I didn't know what day it is was. Is that why we're doing this whole like happy third, fourth day after your birthday? I mean, I'm hoping to sleep in the house tonight. Okay. Is that fine? Can well, I do that? Just so everybody's clear, they, there have been no pastors at Compass Bible Church that have been ousted from their home <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> at least know of, yeah. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, hey, we are in uh, Psalm 56, 57, 58 today, and then Acts 28, and we were just talking about it before uh, coming on, on air here. We're going to kind of miss the book of Acts a little bit because it's it's narrative, and, and it's going to be a while before we get back into any sort of narrative. There's some narrative left in the Old Testament here that for us, but uh, but we're kind of moving out of the narrative sections in the New Testament, and uh, just the way that our current daily Bible reading plan operates. We're going to be in a lot of uh, the epistles and, and it's good. It's really good. It's, it's the theology, it's the doctrine that's going mm-hmm. to, in fact, we're getting ready to go into Romans and Romans is kind of the new Testament systematic theology. Yeah, um, if you thought these podcasts were long, you just wait. <laughs> Pastor PJ and, and Romans. And there goes our listenership. It's just gone. It's gone. No, but that's the weakness of a Bible reading program. Let's just be honest about that. People, I mean, I've heard in the past, Pastor PJ, have you heard people say, I don't like Compass's program. It's, you know, it's too, I don't know. 
I, I want to do a different reading program. I like getting all these things. I like having to, I like to be in the gospels every day and right. this program doesn't do that. So how would you suggest people meet some of those limitations? Yeah, well, nothing says that this is the uh, extent of your daily Bible reading that you have to do. Certainly right? not. And so if you are somebody who says, I, I really like the Gospels and I want to be in the Gospels daily, then grab a, a Gospel and read through it with us. Or not necessarily with us, but read through it in in uh, concert with what we're doing here with the daily Bible reading. I mean, you can still bring those, those things in. By the way, just to let you know, this is not a compass specific plan that we're using here it's one that esv i think put out originally or crossway put out a while ago who did it originally um but we've we've embraced it and it's one that we're doing it doesn't mean this is the same one we're going to do next year we've talked about changing it up but there is no perfect plan out there that's going to meet everybody's desires and scratch everybody's needs so um whether that's you like going through a proverb a day i mean you can do that and do this plan that we're we're doing here there's nothing to say that you can't uh buoy what we're doing here with with additional reading in, in other sources so this this is all under the, the underlying assumption is that we should do it and i think some of our listeners may not be well maybe those who are listening are probably doing it they're they're on board but if we're going to talk to someone who's saying i don't want to do that program i, I like to do my own thing i don't want to do what your church is doing uh, no offense pastor pj but i, I kind of like doing my own thing so let's provide a few reasons why yeah. it would be so beneficial for everyone at our church to do this with us. Yeah, I mean, first off, as if you're part of our church, as your pastors, we're asking you to do it. And so there's there's an element there of just, hey, we're, we're following our pastor's leadership on that. And, uh, you know, we're not going to be heavy handed on that, but but we are asking you to, to join with us. And that leads to the second point, because there's a, a unifying element to this. When everybody is reading the same thing every single day, that creates good fodder for discussion to mm. be able to go into church on a Sunday morning morning and see somebody and say, Hey, did you read this in the daily Bible reading this week? Or did you catch this? And what did you think about that? And, um, it helps me as a, as a a preacher, uh, this a third reason here that when I'm up preaching and and if I'm making a point, I can reference a passage and say, we've just read about this recently in our daily Bible reading. So helpful. And that I know that the majority of the people in our audience have just read about that in the daily Bible reading. And so it's helpful for me as a preacher as well there. So I would say it's, it's number one, because your pastors are asking you to number two, it's because it's helpful for the unity of the church at large. And then number three, it helps me as a preacher. Man, I would add only one thing to that. And it's that in my experience as a pastor, I've found that most people really struggle with self-discipline. It's one of the weaknesses that most of us can say, I can do better in that arena. And I know for some people, if, you, if you're trying to get into shape, you, you might go to the gym and say, I need a personal trainer. I want someone to, to take me through the steps and help me learn all the moves and all those things. And I'm going to pay for that. In a similar way, what we're trying to do as your coaches, your spiritual coaches and trainers of sorts, we're trying to walk you through a program that's going to be systematically designed to get you through all of God's word. Mm. And all, every Christian needs all of God's word. It takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian, as the saying goes. And we're trying to help provide for you a disciplinary mechanism that isn't all you saying, I just need to get through the Bible at my own pace. I know that for me and full disclosure here, I struggle when I don't have a plan Mm. because Mm. if I don't have a plan, I end up just kind of going all over the place and I will never finish my whole Bible. If it were not for the fact that I, I said, okay, I'm going to commit to this thing. And it's really helpful that my entire church does it along with me. So if you're anything like the rest of us and you struggle with self-discipline, one of the best things that you can do for yourself is to have the foundation, the bedrock of your Bible time being, I'm going to do what my whole church is doing. And we're going to make it through the whole Bible together. And that's going to do all the things that Pastor PJ said, but it's also going to be a big boost to your discipline and your self-control in that department. Yes, 100% agree with that. 
Well, we're in Psalm 56, 57, and 58. And uh, in Psalm 56, we have another Psalm of David in the, the superscription there. And it's a, another unique tune. Did you notice that? The dove of the far off terebinths. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. We won't know until we get to heaven, like we talked about I'm last sure time. sure it is. We'll ask David. Hey, can you, David, hum a, a few bars of that for us? <laughs> that's, that's that sounds it. like another one by the yeah. do, do, do. What if it was do, just do, like do, screamo? Do, do, do. <laughs> what if we've just totally misinterpreted? I would misinterpreted. be delighted. I, I was in a scream. Were you in a screamo? I was not. I was in a screamo for a season. I did enjoy it. No, I was I was not. I was the preppy, like, acoustic guitar. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Dave Matthews, all uh, that stuff. Yeah, I was, I was with that, too. I liked, yeah. I liked it all. I had a more narrow palette, I guess. Ah, uh, okay. Anyways, it says there, going on from there, when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Um, we don't know if this is exactly the same as the the previous situation, but it's probably when, again, he had to feign insanity to, to get himself out, or he didn't have to, but he chose to feign insanity to get out from a, a difficult situation with the Philistines. But again, this is another, like we talked about last time, peeking behind the curtain and seeing more than what we get in the, the historical narrative account. We see more of David's heart here, that David was going to the Lord and clearly afraid. And he re- reiterates this refrain over and over. When I'm af- afraid, I put my trust in you. Um, I can trust in God and God in, in whose word I praise in verse four. In God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Verse 11, God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Um, and so uh, David is really expressing his confidence in God and, and just his trust that he has in him. And, and I think there's a simple truth here, uh, parents, especially with young kids. I know sometimes our kids can express fear and, and sometimes it's things that make sense. And then other times it's things that you are just flabbergasted that they would ever even conceive of, of being afraid of that thing. But this is something that we can begin to teach them from a very young age that they can trust in God when they are afraid mm-hmm. and that God is going to uh, be that, that source of comfort for them there. And if we can even teach them that basic principle that they can take their fears to God, that's something that's helpful and good for us to do as parents. Indeed. And verse eight tells us that God welcomes that and he's intimately involved in our fears. God even keeps our tears in a bottle. I mean, I, I've never done that. I, I don't plan on doing that, but that conveys the kind of intimate care and concern that God has for us. Not a single tear that is shed by the face, the, the face of the Christian is forgotten or overlooked. God cares about us in tender ways that I think even as a parent, I look at my kids and I'm like, come on, suck it up. You're going to be fine. <laughs> but God doesn't do that. Right. I, what the condescension of God blows my mind, man, would it be that all of us have the kind of care and tenderness that God himself has for us? Well, in Psalm 57, we get uh, another situation with David here, and it's according to the do not destroy. Now, if there's a screamo one, it's that <laughs> one. <laughs> when, uh, when he fled from Saul in the cave, um, which situation was this? Uh, you know, I don't know. And, and I read a commentary that was like, well, it's either this cave or this cave, because those are the only two caves. And it, it, there was an when David was in En Gedi, if you remember that situation, right? He's in the cave. Saul comes into the cave to relieve himself. David cuts a corner of his robe. Like that's another cave that he was in there. And so who knows when this was, but David was on the run from Saul, which we know what that was like for him. He was afraid for his life because Saul wanted to kill him. Mm. Um, and so he's uh, he's fleeing and, and, and frame the context for us, right? God has promised David through Samuel that David was going to be the king. 
And yet here's the anointed king of Israel on the lamb running from the current king of Israel sitting in a cave, watching the other king do his business. Exactly. And like we talked about last time with the concept of the Ziphites and would they betray him? Look, if, if David lets go and lets God here, Saul's going to pin him to the ground with a spear, right? Yep. And so David's fleeing and yet God is leading him through the, the, the fleeing and the wilderness. And I think David recognizes that here. And David, so in this Psalm is, is lamenting the situation, but expressing his confidence in God at the same time that God would deliver him because he knew that God, verse two, I cry out to God most high to God who fulfills his purpose for me. So David's expressing that confidence there. God, you have a purpose for me. You've anointed me to be the king over Israel. And I know you're going to fulfill that to me. So I'm calling out to you to deliver me right now because I need you to deliver me right now. I really like verse eight. I will awaken the dawn. I, I just see David struggling before he goes to bed, sleeping, trying to trying to put the, all the pieces together in his head, but then waking up and having that sense of his mercy is new every morning. And I, because I'm so overwhelmed with God's faithfulness toward me, I'm going to awaken the dawn. Mm. I'm going to be up before the sun rises and I'll be singing songs of God's faithfulness and God's goodness even before anyone else is awake. I thought yeah. that was a beautiful picture. Yeah. And again, another thing for us to bring into our homes, this Wake the kids up with worship. Right. Yeah. Just blast it. Get the get the pans. Yeah. <laughs> strum the guitar. Chris Tomlin, indescribable, <laughs> blowing through the. Who's the, the what's the last the time you heard that song? Actually, the other day I was driving around listening to the radio. Why do you radio? Well, explain that. Okay. I don't know if half our listeners even know what that is. Listen, I think part of it is, I. I I will confess, my eight tracks a, the other day. I'm a sports talk radio guy. Like uh, I, and because I'm back home in in Dallas, like I grew up listening to these sports talk stations out here, and they talk about all my teams. Okay, and I have been in purgatory listening to people talk about teams that I I don't like for the last. Well, are you? Was anyone twelve years? You to do that? No, and so I I really kind of got away from <laughs> it. Self inflicted. I've, I've rediscovered the radio since I've been here. And but you were listening to just, Christian radio. It's nice. Well, I did that too, because sometimes after a loss, I don't really like to listen to my sports talk radio stations because I don't want to listen about the loss. So then on my way to work, which is only like a five to 10 minute drive, I cruise around, listen to different stations. I try to find out what the local pastors are around here listening to. And, and I happened upon a station and they were playing Indescribable by Chris Tomlin. Wow. So They're there you go. Old Christian music. Not surprised. Dude, right? Yeah, no, I, it's not like my 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 preference. It's not my jam. I don't get in there and be like, yes, all right, Selah. They're playing a greatest <laughs> hits again. So anyways, but parents, we need to be about doing this, praising God with our family, right? Even verse five, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. How about we ask ourselves this question? What part do I play in that? How do I help fulfill that? Do Do we have that desire? to let the, the glory of God be over all the earth? I would hope so. Yeah. So then let's ask the question, okay, what what do I need to do about that? How am mm. I, how is my life right now contributing to the exaltation of God above the heavens and the, his glory being all over all the earth? Good question. Psalm 58. Psalm 58. Psalm 58 uh, is uh, an interesting one um, at at minimum to put it that way mm. uh, it's also according to do not destroy so the track just kept going um, <laughs> and it's a victim of david and uh the reason why it's interesting here is right off the bat in verse one do you indeed decree what is right you gods gods now you'll notice in your bibles it's if you're in the esv it's a lowercase g okay this is not a capital g o d s plural and we've talked about this recently on the podcast about the different names for God. And we've got the name Elohim here, um, which is 
I think that's contested, Pastor PJ. Is it contested? Yeah. It, whether it looks like it could be related to Elohim, which is why they use the word God. Right. But the word can go another direction, which is why that little subscript there says Lords. Uh, well, yeah, Lords or right. uh, Bible revocalization, Hebrew in silence. That doesn't make as much sense given the context. But I think that's why it's a bit of a like, okay, it could be God's. That seems to make the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, we uh, either way, whether it is Elohim or not, even if it was, it's not a reason for us to panic as though David is acknowledging the existence of false gods right. uh, as, as real, right? He's just simply acknowledging what power do you have? He's praising God. And, and so it's, it's quite the opposite here. What he's doing is whether these are, this is a reference to the lords, to human lords, because remember Judges. sometimes they were even called gods in the right. scriptures, or this is a reference to false gods, or even this is a reference to the demonic realm. Um, when we get into the, the 80s in, in Psalm 82. Two, yeah. Or six. Probably two. Yeah, I think it's Psalm 82. There's a, a reference to God holding court with the gods. Um, and it, there it's a reference to the, the demonic forces that are at work, that the, the prince of the power of the air and the rest of the demonic forces around the, the world, the, the angelic realm. Um, and so I, I think here, again, you've got a, a situation wherein uh, you've got David making the statement, but his statement is not about praising these false gods, whether they be people or, uh, or idols, but saying, look how powerful God is. And that's really what he's doing here in Psalm 58. Yeah. This Psalm really is a man. If, if you're new to Christianity and you opened up Psalm 58, I think you would rightly be a bit confused because the Psalm does present something of a contrast to how we understand in the new Testament we're to love our enemies yep. and pray for those who persecute you. And yep. yet here from verse six onward, you have something very challenging. God, break the teeth in their mouths, please, as you bless them. Tear out the fangs of the young lions. Another way to reference breaking their teeth because they're devouring and they're tearing apart. Let them vanish like water that runs away. That means dry up their strength. Take away all their resources. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. In other words, when he's trying to do evil, destroy their evil mechanisms. Let them be like the snail that dissolves in the slime. That was kind of a funny picture, but I understand it. It's very vivid. Like the stillborn child who never sees a son. In other words, blot out the people that are committing these crimes. So this is really hard. Now, we've talked a little bit about imprecatory psalms, psalms that pray for the the judgment of the wicked, but anything else you might want to remind us of pastor PJ? Well, even the, I mean the last two verses, right? The righteous will rejoice when he sees all this take place. The, the vengeance, he will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. I was going to, yeah, I was going to go to Jesus with that, but go for it, man. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it is, it's startling to, uh, to consider these things. Um, and yet I think it's important for us to remember with David, David didn't have the sermon on the Mount. And so he wasn't operating under that same uh, rhetoric or, or understanding there that same we have. Um, there, there was a different, as we've talked about, a dispensation at work with uh, with the Old Testament versus the New Testament. But it was not, and we're about to get to Romans, right? And so I think we read some of this sometimes and we think, well, that's not fair. That, that That's wrong. They shouldn't have done this. But what we're going to see right off the bat in Romans chapter one is that God did not leave himself without witness in creation. And even with Israel, Israel's, Part of Israel's purpose was not just to be a, an isolated, closed off people for God's own possession, but to be a light to the nations, even in the Old Testament. And that we get a glimpse of the fact that they had been, even when the spies go in to spy out the promised land and they stay with Hagar there. And, and Hagar says, I, I've heard of your God. Mm. I know what's coming. And so because of that, you know, have, have mercy on me and my, my family. And God spares her. And she ends up in the, the hall of faith even because of that. So... 
I don't think we read this and think, well, this is wrong because God didn't give these people a chance to repent. There were plenty of opportunities given as he's made himself known in creation and as, as Israel was known on the landscape as well, and especially is, and we don't know who the, the enemies are in, in light of this. These may have been Israelites themselves that had turned against David, that David is mm-hmm. praying for God to intervene and respond against. Um, but but yeah, you mentioned Jesus in Psalm fifty eight ten. What what were you where were you going to go with that? Well, I was just thinking of the fact that David prefigures Christ, so it's helpful in some sense to re- remember that David himself is composing this psalm as the as the representative, God's representative agent on earth. He's not just King David, the guy. He is King David, God's prefigurement of Jesus Christ. And so when he's praying about the the justice of God, he's really in some sense acting as God's representative to say God do what you're you're do what you want to do. Judge the wicked, destroy them. Mm-hmm. So this is not David's personal vendetta. He does have feelings here, no doubt. But he looks forward to Christ, who right. will perfectly judge all of human creation and the enemy and friend distinction will be abundantly clear. Right. Jesus himself is going to have his robe dipped in blood. It's going to yep. be red. And the way that we understand that in the book of Revelation is that Jesus is conquering his foes. Yep. He's crushing them and he's killing them. Treading the wine press. Exactly. He's, 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 man, we have such a single, overly simplified view of God in the Bible that we just can do, again, do ourselves a disservice here. So as you read stuff like this, you have to keep in mind there's a, there's a place in our heart that if we truly love God, we must hate evil. Mm. You can't have them both. You, you need both. You need room for both. Loving God, hating evil. And that means keeping a slice in your heart to say, I, I know that when the time comes and Jesus returns and he vanquishes his foes, many of those foes may be people that you know and care about who never bow the knee to Christ. We're not going to recoil and say, God, why did you do that? We're going to celebrate and we're going to rejoice by the fact that Jesus does what Jesus should do. Yeah. He judges the enemy. He deals with them. Pray for the people that aren't, aren't right with him right now and know that in, in due time. I mean, God's coming. Pray for them right now. It's urgent and necessary. Yeah. In fact, if you are with our church, that's what I, a big part of what I'm preaching on tomorrow um, at our church is that concept of to make Christ known. And really, I mean, that's that's our job here as the church is still to do that because that's the, the task that he's given us to do while we're still here on earth. And we have time to do that now. Revelation 20, when he comes back, when he's got the, the eyes that are a flame of fire and he's wearing that robe dipped in blood and he's got the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Oof. there's no more, there's no more church to, to call people to repent and believe the, the, the time is done. It's over. And, and that window has been open for so long. Again, it's not as though God has arbitrarily decided he's going to punish these people in an unfair manner. No, they never bowed the knee to Christ on earth. They're going to bow the knee to him right before they spend an eternity in eternal damnation. And, and we just, we don't say that lightheartedly. Okay. Don't hear us say that flippantly. Like it's heavy hearted. That's no big deal. We say that with urgency because our job is then to go. We want to go out and keep as many people from that fate as possible. And granted, we can't save anyone, right? But we can go out with the message it can. And we need to be doing that. We need to be doing that faithfully. Very sober. Acts chapter 28, as we move into the last chapter in the book of Acts, um, they are... Uh, he made it. They, they, he makes it. And, and there's this, this crazy scene here when they get there. They, they build a fire because they're cold, because they were in the water, they were wet, and a, a snake, a viper, comes out and attaches onto Paul's hand. And, uh, and Paul's, Paul's a man, dude. <laughs> like he just shakes it off. He just shakes <laughs> like the thing Taylor off. Swift, man. Just right. shake it off. Oh, man, why'd you have to be? I don't like her. <laughs> Anyways, he shakes it off into the fire, 
and they it go from thinking, oh, well, he's a murderer, he's going to die because the snake bit him, to he's got to be a god. You are a god. He's a god. <laughs> and just as a reminder, the, the Roman religious landscape was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Hmm. I mean, you not only had your 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 pagan, you know, uh, polytheism where, with all kinds of different gods, with kind of Zeus at the top, and then all kinds of other different gods. You also had these mystery cults and religions that were there, which were uh, mysterious, as the name implies, and just weird, it's free and for all. immoral, and everything else. You you had the philosophers that were kind of their own bit there, and so you you really did have such a crazy mix up of uh, of different religious beliefs here that when we see this and when we see they're looking at Paul. He gets bit by a snake. He shakes it off and he doesn't die for them to go. Clearly he's a God. We look at that and say, that's crazy. That's insane. That's absurd. But it fit their cultural religious landscape at that time. Too unlike ours. Well, uh, yeah, I guess we don't call people gods, but ours is probably far more complex and multi-layered than theirs. Right. Right. Well, this guy Publius uh, shows up and uh, entertains them and is hospitable to them. And his father is sick with a fever and, uh, and Paul visits them and prays on him and puts his hands on him and heals him. And then he begins to heal the rest of the people and the diseases. It's, it's almost like the beginning of Mark's gospel where Jesus is up late into the night and he's healing all these people that are brought Mm -hmm. to him. Paul's doing that here on this Island. Amazing. But what's crazy is they honor us greatly and we're about to set sail. They put us on board, whatever we needed. It doesn't say that many believed as a result of this. Right. Right. And so we don't, we don't know what was going on there, but so when we look at that, we say, okay, so then is this the same thing that we've always seen in the book of Acts that we've been talking about? The miracle validates the message. I would say yes, because we look at it and interpret it with the rest of the book of Acts in mind. Right. I think we can assume, even though it's not written explicitly here, that Paul was preaching as he was doing this, that he was telling people about Jesus as he was doing this, that he was not just doing this to say, look at me, I'm impressive. Even with the snake situation, that he must have been pleading with them like they did when they wanted to make him and Timothy gods earlier. Mm. No, this is not right. Don't do this. There's one true God and he's preaching that there, even though Barnabas, we don't see to be that. clear. Barnabas, Barnabas. yeah. T- yeah, sorry. Yeah. And if you want to visit Malta, you still can. There is an area of Malta called St. Paul's Bay. where They make good they, milkshakes. Do they? We're going to go Malta. there when we go to Jerusalem. We're going to stop by Malta, head over to Rome. I don't think they're close to each other. I mean, we're going to we're going to make it work. Okay. Malted milkshakes, by the way. You missed the... Oh, uh, yeah. that's what... Okay. Yeah, Malta. Okay, Malta. Anyways, okay. rest of uh, our section of chapter eight, Paul gets to Rome. He gets to Rome. He gets there. Dude, that's the, this, this is huge. Welcome to Rome. I mean, and, and Luke, and so we came to Rome. Like, really, Luke? Yep. Come on, give me some fanfare, man. Like, and with God's right. grace and favor, we finally made it. Yeah. None of that. None of that. I wanted that. Right. Right. And again, the, the cutoff is weird. So let's just grab 16 because I think it makes more sense. Why are you doing this? Because when he came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So he's, he shows up at Rome, but he's not just there to walk around freely and go see the sites and see the Colosseum and all the cool things. And well, wasn't cool for Christians at the time, but no, I was gonna he say, yeah. is brought to Rome and he's put under house arrest again and he's still there. So, so something to note here that you probably don't catch in your Bible is that we're looking at a period of about three years when Paul was first arrested, first arrested in Jerusalem to making it to Rome. Scholars disagree about the precise timing. So just kind of take this with a grain of salt, but we're still looking at about three years. God promised him that he would make it here. And by God's grace, he does, but it's not quick. It's not overnight. This is a, this is a long process. So I, one quick takeaway for you. Don't, don't expect 
microwave speeds when God is cooking with a crock pot. You got to be patient. Even with Paul, who he promised, you're going to make it there. God doesn't do it overnight. He does it over this long, what seems to be distracted and prolonged period of time when Paul's probably saying, God, what are you doing? You said I was going to get there. I, I get bit by a snake. Lord, was that? Be patient. God is not on our time scale. God is not working with the same limitations we are. Be patient with God's process in your life. Yep. Yep. And tomorrow we're going to see what Paul does in Rome. And we'll talk a little bit more than what's here in the book of Acts because he is uh, busy writing while in Rome there. So we'll talk some more about that in our next episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hasta mañana. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.